0: Appreciate our music leaders and musicians this morning leading us in some songs. Really appreciate that. As we get started, I want to ask you real quick, have you completed your challenge? Some of you say yes, some of you aren't quite there yet. You still have this afternoon. So don't forget to make sure that you thank your leaders, your counselors for bringing you it's a cold day today, and uh, they could be at home when the warm house is with their families, but they're here with you because they love you, and they want to have fun with you. So make sure you say thank you to them today before you go home. Let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into God's Word together, okay? Father in heaven, thank you for once again the opportunity, the privilege to be here this morning, to be able to sing your praises, to have fun, to enjoy camp food, but also this morning, to be able to look into your word and understand what it is today you desire for us to learn and understand and apply to our lives. Father, I'd ask this morning that you'd help us just not to be hearers of your word, but to be doers, that we wouldn't just walk away after this message saying, Pastor Nathan, that was a good message, but we'd be able to say, this is what God wants me to do, thus saith the Lord. So Father, use your word in our hearts and lives this morning to mold us and to shape us and to make us and to who you desire for us to be as we look to the example of Jesus and live out his example in our lives. Thank you for this morning, the time we have in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I brought along my toolbox. I collect tools. I have lots and lots of screwdrivers. I kind of collect screwdrivers, not on purpose, I just misplaced them, so I have to buy more. So I have, a, I have a really big collection, but I don't know where they are. They're all over the place. But I brought some of my tools here this morning, some of my most important tools that I wanted to just share with you this morning, some of the tools that I keep here in my toolbox. I have my hammer. You need a hammer to nail nails, right? You need a hammer or to make a board go where you want it to go. That's another good reason to have a hammer. I have a tape measure. What does a tape measure do? Measures, right? That's a plus for you. It measures things, right? That's what tape measures do. I have a screwdriver. I have one screwdriver. It's a Phillips screwdriver. I'm right? Not a straight. Not a Phillips. Um, oh, hey! I have a knife. A knife for cutting things. Um, I have. I have scissors. I need scissors. Scissors are an important tool. I have. Oh, my whisk! I got a whisk. Got my whisk. Um, oh look i 've got my gold panning for prospecting for gold. need that sometimes um, spatula got my spatula I got my gardening gloves in case i well, i probably won 't do any gardening today outside but I got my gardening gloves in case I wanted to go pick some flowers or or different things like that. I got my gardening gloves um, oh i 've got an apple oh look i 've got a pen. I've got an apple pen. apple pen. Apple pen. Someone knows what I'm talking about. And i got got cake K-cup because you need coffee, right? You need coffee to, to operate and to use. Great. I, so I've got some of my most important tools with me this morning. And uh, we're going to need those maybe later on today sometime doing something special. But I brought tools with me this morning. Now, you might be wondering, Pastor Nate, <laughs> those are some really odd tools to keep in your toolbox. Why would you keep a whisk in your toolbox? Or why would you... Why would you keep a, an, a pencil or a pen in your toolbox? Well, you might think it's odd that I have those tools in my toolbox, but they're all tools, right? They may be not just all construction tools or kitchen tools or office tools or sewing tools or cooking tools or gardening tools. They all have different purposes, but they're all tools, right? But they all serve a specific purpose. They all exist on purpose for a reason. For example you would not stir your spaghetti with a hammer, would you? You'd use a spoon or something. You would not try to nail a nail into a wall with a whisk, would you? That wouldn't be very productive. You'd be there for a really long time. The same is true for each of us this morning. We also are tools, and we belong in God's toolbox. Each of us as individuals who have been saved from our sins are able to be used by God to do specific things that he's called us to do. This morning, I want to give you four things that I don't want you to waste. I would like for you this morning to find your Bible, find your booklet, go to the second session in your booklet, because today's today's booklet page is a fill-in-the-blank. And you'll notice there, as you open your booklet, that some of the letters have circles, And some of the letters have squares. And when we come to the end of our time here this morning, I'm going to have you decipher those letters into new words, okay? So you're going to make sure that you fill in the blanks correctly so when it comes to deciphering my cipher, my puzzle at the end, you'll have the right letters to put in there. So first of all, as we begin this morning, I just want you to know, first of all, I don't want you to waste your life. Don't waste your life. There are a lot of people today that are just wasting their life. God has given to you your life as a gift. And each breath that you take is a special gift that God has given to you. And he wants you to use the life that he's given to you to glorify and please him. You are here because of him. You are here because he wants you to glorify him. Last night we talked about the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us and to forgive us of our sins. And I want you to think about something with me for a moment this morning. Let's say that we were back here during the middle of the summer and the swimming pool was full of water. It's a nice warm day out. We decided to go swimming. And let's say that you decided to jump off the diving board and go into the deep end, and when you jumped off the diving board, something happened to you, and suddenly when you hit the water, you couldn't swim, and you started to sink, and you started to drown. What would happen in in the camp pool if that happened? Somebody would jump in and save you. What do we call that person? What is it? A lifeguard, right? That lifeguard will jump into the water and pull you to shore. So let's say that a lifeguard jumps into the water and he, they pull you out and they find out as they've gotten you to shore that you've quit breathing. What might they do? Well, let's, let's raise our hand. How about you? Yeah. CPR, right? They're going to start compressing on your chest and blowing in your mouth to try and get you to breathe again. And let's say you start to breathe again, right? And you come back to and you've, you kind of spit the water out of your mouth and you're starting to wake up and, and you're starting to, to realize what's going on. How many of you would just stand up and say, thanks for saving my life and walk away? Would that be right? Do you think that would be the right way to respond? Let's say that lifeguard just saved your life. And if that lifeguard had not jumped into the water and pulled you out and did CPR, let's say you would have died. That lifeguard just saved your life. Now, you would probably then wake up and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me. I almost died. You saved my life. And you would like, what can I do to repay you? You saved me. What can I do to say thank you to you for saving my life, for doing CPR, for bringing me back from almost being dead? Thank you so much. What can I do? You would be forever indebted to that person, that lifeguard, for saving you. You could have died. Young people, the same thing is true with God. God saved you from spending forever apart from him in hell. He sent Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross for you, to pay the penalty of your sins so that he could forgive you of your sins. Did you know that a lot of Christians today, people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, a lot of them today don't even act like God saved them. A lot of them aren't saying thank you with their lives. They never say thank you. They don't spend time in God's word. They have a copy of God's word, but they don't read it. Maybe they don't pray. They don't talk to God. You know what? A lot of them don't even go to church anymore. They'll say they're saved. They'll say they're going to heaven because God saved them from their sins, but they don't act like it, and they don't live like it. They almost act like it never even happened. The Bible says that that's not how we should be saying thank you to God for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, Paul writes, I appeal to you, or I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Another version says your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul tells us that we should be living our lives like we are a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, uh, there was something that God instructed the Israelites to do, and that was called the sacrifice things. Oftentimes they would take a sheep or an ox uh, that was taken and killed. And they would take the blood from the animal and they would sprinkle it on this thing called an altar. And then they would put the body of the animal on the altar and set it on fire and it would burn up. And the Israelites were told to do that because when they did that, they were showing God that they were being obedient to him and, that, and they knew that God was going to forgive them of their sins until they sinned again. Because the minute they sinned again, well, that, that, all, that, that sacrifice they had done was no longer good Because that sacrifice could only cover the sins they had done, so they'd have to offer another sacrifice. And then they'd sin again and have to offer another sacrifice. And they'd sin again and have to do it all over again. The moment they sinned again, they would have to offer another sacrifice. In the New Testament, though, and where Romans is found, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels that tell us about Jesus, the Bible says that when God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, he became our sacrifice. So when he died upon that cross, he became a permanent sacrifice. So once we were forgiven of our sins, we were always forgiven. We were forgiven of the sins we've done in the past, the sins that we were doing when we got saved, and the sins that we do then in the future. So we wouldn't have to keep offering a sacrifice over and over again because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But in the Old Testament, if they were to take an ox or a sheep or a ram or whatever it was that they were told to offer, and they killed it, that dead sacrifice couldn't do a whole lot, could it? Have you ever seen a dead animal move? No, it doesn't happen. Once the animal that was sacrificed and was killed, it couldn't do anything more. It was dead. It couldn't move anymore. It just, it just laid there, right? It didn't do anything because it was dead. But Paul tells us that as Christians, as believers, we are to be a living sacrifice. If I give up the things that I want to do, but instead I live for God and do the things he wants me to do, I can be a living sacrifice because I'd be sacrificing my desires for what God wants me to do. I'd be putting God first in my life, and I would be doing what God wanted me to do rather than what I wanted to do. So I'd be like a living sacrifice. Young people, help me out this morning. What are things that you and I can do to serve God? What are things we can do? Pray. We can pray. What else? We can read the Bible. What else? Go to church. What else? Be a missionary. What else? Serve others. What are ways we can serve others? We can witness to them. We can what? I'm sorry, a little louder. Do chores. Absolutely. We can help people when they get hurt. We can sing. We can tell them about Jesus. Read the Bible every day? Set a good example. There are lots and lots of ways that we can serve God. What about this? Could we write cards to people who haven't been coming to church? Could we send birthday cards? Anniversary cards? Could we tell people about Jesus? I think someone said that one. Those are great answers. You all gave great answers. Paul is telling us here not to waste our lives. Don't waste your life. Number two this morning, don't waste your calling. Don't waste your calling. How many of you have ever been to the Iowa State Fair? Okay, I see some hands. There is an event at the Iowa State Fair that's called the Pig Calling Contest. Okay? It's called the Pig Calling Contest. And what they do is they have different people come up on a stage in front of a microphone, like this, and they call for pigs. Suey! Suey! Here, pig, 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 pig! And they win competitions by doing this. It's really weird. But it's called a pig calling contest. And what do you think that pig is going to do when they hear it being called? <laughs> Actually, they come because usually what's happening is the reason you're calling the pigs is because it's supper time. How many of you have moms or dads that call you for supper, right? And how many of you come running when it's supper time, especially when it's your favorite food, right? Like when I hear someone say, we're having bacon for for lunch or for breakfast, I come running. I love bacon and pickles. I like pickles too, especially pickles that bounce. But I, I like those things. So when someone says, hey, we're having bacon for breakfast, I'm there, right? Well, this is the same picture. God has called us to do something special. He's called us to do something specific. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, this is the story of the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament being called by God to be a prophet, to speak on God's behalf. Look at what it says. Isaiah is having a vision here. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, that's his cloak, his his, uh, his garment, the train of his robe filled the temple, Above him stood the seraphim. Seraphim are a special type of angels. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds, the doors shook, at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I, this is Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, they've seen God, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from tong- uh, uh, with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then, this is Isaiah, he said, Say it with me, here I am, send me. God was calling Isaiah to be a prophet, to tell people about God. And Isaiah says, At first he says, I can't do that, I'm a sinner. I live among sinful people. I can't do that. But then it says, God forgave him of his sins. And he said, here I am. Send me. I'm willing to go. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll go and do. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, we have the story of, of Saul. Uh, in the Later in, in his epistles, he's known as Paul. But his name is Saul. And Saul was a, a, a man who was, he, he was a, a Jewish Pharisee. And he decided that the people who were following Christ were wrong. They were um, heretics because they weren't obeying the Jewish law. So one day, he's out on a trip to go to a place called Damascus. And, while, and he's going to Damascus there uh, to find Christians, to throw them in jail, to persecute them, and maybe even kill them, Okay, to, to martyr them, to, to kill them because they were followers of, God, of Christ. This is the story of Saul being called by God. But Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way or who were Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's going to put them in chains and bring them back to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Jesus was calling Paul, a person who had been persecuting Christians, to be a Christian and to tell people about uh, Jesus and how Jesus can forgive them of their sins. The Bible also tells us about how God called Gideon and Samson and Noah and Abraham and Peter and Elijah and many others. But there's one more special person that he's called. Will you read this verse with me, Ephesians 2.10? Read it with me. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This verse, young people, tells us that you and I have also been called by God to serve him, to live for him. You young people, and you older adults also, and myself included, As believers, have been called by God to serve him with our lives. We have been called to be living sacrifices, to live our lives for God's glory and for God's honor. Number three, don't waste your talents. Don't waste your talent. What is a talent? A talent is something that you're good at. Maybe some of you this morning here are good at singing. Maybe some of you are really good at drawing. Maybe some of you are really good at cooking. Maybe some of you are really good at math. Maybe some of you are really good at reading. Some of you are good at cleaning. Some of you might be good at playing sports. Each of you are good at something. And God says, I want you to use that talent, that skill that I have given to you to honor me. In fact, some of the things that we have the ability to do, we read in the Bible, are things that God actually has given us the ability to accomplish. Not all of us are good at the same things, though. Not all of us are good at singing. Not all of us are good at cooking or, or at math. I am horrible at math. But there are different things that each of us have the ability to do that God has given us the ability to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, it says, now there are a variety of gifts but the same Spirit, or the same God. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The reason God gives us all different gifts, and the reason we're all different, is because he wants us to use our gifts together. We need each other In fact, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, actually gives us other gifts that we have to learn how to use. Gifts like serving, giving, helping, teaching, exhorting, and others as well. Imagine if I was going to build a house, and I had all the tools to build a house. I had a hammer and a saw and nails and screwdrivers and power drills and all those things, but the one thing I didn't have was a measuring tape. So I wasn't going to measure the pieces of board or the different cabinets and stuff to put in the house. Do you think that house would turn out okay? No, it wouldn't turn out okay. Because all the different boards would be different sizes and everything would just be off. Because what I need is all of the tools. I need to use all of the tools to build the house. You see, young people, God wants to use you. And he wants to use your talents and gifts that he's given to you. You might be young, but you still play a very important part in your church. Maybe on a Sunday you can play special music during a service. Maybe you can help in a class hand out papers. Maybe you can open doors like a greeter at the doors for people. Maybe you can hand out bulletins for people who, as they come to church. Maybe you can help shovel the snow Maybe you can help sweep off the sidewalks when there's leaves on the sidewalks. In my church, if it happens to snow while we're having a church service, when the service is done, I ask our young guys, your age guys, to take some snow brushes and go out and wipe off people's cars so they don't have to do it before they go out to leave in their own cars. It's a way that our young people can serve. You see, young people, God wants to use you. He wants to use your talents and your gifts and his, your abilities that he's given to you. Maybe you can help set up chairs and tables. Maybe you can send people in your church birthday cards. If you can't find something to do in your church, I can guarantee you that if you were to ask your pastor for ideas, I bet he could come up with some. And you know what you'd probably also have to do? You'd probably like also have to help pick him up off the floor because he'd be so shocked that people want to help him serve in the church. Because as your pastor, and as, as I'm a pastor in my church, I love it when people want to serve in the church. I love it when people say, what can I do to help the church? God has given us all different abilities to use in the church because that's how he wants the church to work together. We are the church of God, and that's what God wants the church to be. No matter what age you are, if you belong to God, God wants to use you. There's one more thing, and I've kind of already alluded to it, that I don't want you to waste. I don't want you to waste... Oops, There's another passage there. I forgot to mention that. This passage, I'm just going to have you write it down in your notes. We don't have time to walk through it this morning. But what this passage is really telling us is that it takes all of our different gifts working together to really make the church be what God wants the church to be. So if God's given you a gift and you're not using it, you're making the whole church suffer because God gave you the ability to do that to help the church. So if you belong to the church, God wants you to be used in the church to glorify him. One more thing this morning, and it's D on your list. Don't waste your youth. Don't waste your youth. Young people, you will not always be young. Right now, you might be in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, whatever. But there's coming a day in the future when you will no longer be in elementary school anymore. You won't be in high school. You won't be in college You'll be older, maybe get married, maybe have kids, and then your kids will grow older and they'll have they'll move out and you'll have grandkids. Can you imagine that someday having grandkids? I have 3 kids, but I'm not at the point yet where I can imagine having grandkids. But I want you to know something. I want you to listen very carefully. Don't wait until you're older to serve God. Start today. Don't wait till there's a time down the road to start to ask, wait and find out ways that you can serve. Start today. We've already talked about how God wants us to use our talents and our skills right now to serve him. But I don't want you to wait until you're older. I want you to start now. I I want you to look at something with me here this morning. When I ask this question, I'm going to ask the question, how many of you know who the prophet Samuel is? Anyone know who Samuel was? Old Testament character, right? This is the passage when God called Samuel to serve him. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Kind of just like we saw with Isaiah and with Saul, when God called them to serve him, God here is calling Samuel to serve him, okay? How old do you think Samuel was when God called Samuel to serve him? How old do you think? Twelve? Oh, man, you are almost spot on. A Bible historian says that Samuel was between the ages of 10 and 12. Anyone here this morning 10? Any 12 or 11 or 12? Okay, 10, 11, 12. You are the same age that, that Samuel was when God called him to be a prophet and to serve him. How about David? Anyone heard of David, King David? Okay, this is the passage that tells us that Samuel the prophet, the guy we just talked about a moment ago, He comes to Jesse, that would be David's dad, and he's looking for a new king. Listen, read it as I read it. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. He's a shepherd. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he, that's Jesse, sent and brought him in. Now David, this boy, he was ruddy, and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. This God says to Samuel, This is who I want to be, the next king. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit, rushed, uh, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. How old do you think David was? How old? Seven. seven. Nope, not Seven. 16? No, a little too old. 15. Historians say that David was probably between 10 and 15 years old. So where's my 10-year-olds again? 11-year-olds? 12-year-olds? Are any 13? Are you 13? Okay. So I'm guessing probably not 14. We're kind of cutting off there, right? So he was your age when Samuel anointed him to be the next king. In your devotions this morning, who'd you learn about? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Who was their friend? What was his name? Daniel, right? Let's talk about Daniel. This is when God called Daniel, but God didn't call Daniel in the way that he's called everybody else. He calls Daniel in a way that Daniel is taken into captivity. He becomes basically, in a way, a slave. And he's going to be taught certain things. Daniel here says, Daniel chapter 1, 3 through 5. Then the king, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, his chief officer, to bring some of the people of Israel. So he's going to bring some people from Israel back to Babylon. And these people are going to be both of the royal family and of the nobility. They're going to be youths without blemish. They're going to have good appearance and they're going to be skillful in all wisdom. They're going to be endowed with knowledge understanding, learning, and they're going to be competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans, the way of the Babylonians. And it says, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. When Daniel was taken to Babylonia, how old do you think Daniel was? How old? Thirteen. He was probably between the ages of 11 and 13. So again, if you're 11, raise your hand. If you're 12, raise your hand. If you're 13, raise your hand. Daniel was your age when he was taken to Babylon to become a prophet of God. Do you remember Daniel, by the way? Daniel, the prophet of God in the Babylonian court, he's the one who faces the lion's den, right? Right? Isaiah, I, uh, Samuel was the prophet. David was the one who came, kills Goliath and becomes a king. Daniel is the one who goes to the lion's den. Have any of you ever heard of King Josiah? King Josiah. King Josiah was a, a godly king. Look at 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. How old was Josiah. He's eight years old. Any eight years old, eight-year-olds here? Okay, so if he's eight, you know you're the same age that King Josiah was when King Josiah took the throne of Judah. How many of you at the age of eight feel like you could be a king or queen? Right? It says that he reigns for 31 years. So he's in his 40s when he dies. Okay? He reigns for 31 years. And he was one of the most godly kings of Judah. He was the 16th king of Judah, and during those 31 years, Judah prospered as he was king. Anyone ever heard of King Joash? King Joash, couple hands. Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1 tells us about King Joash. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. King Joash was another king of Judah, who was a godly king, and he reigned for 40 years. So are there any seven-year-olds this morning? Okay, so here you go, right? If you were here this morning, and you're older than seven years, I want you to stand up. If you're older than seven years old, I want you to stand up. Young people, I want you to listen to me very carefully. If God can take a seven-year-old who is younger than all of you, if God can take a seven-year-old and make him a king, God can use you too. He wants to use you. You are a tool that God wants to use. He's given you a purpose. He has given you a reason to live. And he wants you to serve him. He's given you a life, and he doesn't want you to waste it. He's given you a calling, and he doesn't want you to waste it. He's given you talents and skills, and he wants you to use them. And he's given you your young age, and he wants you to use that even now. Don't waste what God has given to you. You are amazing young people that God loves and God cares for, and God sent his son to die for, and he wants you to serve him. As you sit back down, I'm going to give you just a moment to decipher my little puzzle. The letters that are circled need to be unscrambled to make a word in the circled letters at the bottom. And the word, the letters that are, have a square around them need to be deciphered to be made into the word that has the squares around them at the bottom as well. As you do that, I'm going to ask those that you would listen also. You see, young men and young women, God has called you to serve him. He has a plan for you in this world, and he wants you to glorify him. You belong to him. He saved you. He rescued you. And you owe him your life. So now in this life that he has given to you, he wants you to do something and be something in a very special way. Has anyone figured out my cipher? Be what? Salt and light. Very good. Be salt and light. And light. Yes, you can spell the word last out of S-A-L-T as well, but it's salt and light. Do you have your Bibles nearby? Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. The first of the four Gospels, Matthew chapter 5. Go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Once you're in Matthew chapter 5, look for verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16 says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do people light a a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the home. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Young people, your responsibility that God has called you to do is to use your life, your calling, your talents, and your age, your youth, to point people to Jesus. You are to be salt and add flavor and preservation to this world. And when you... It's the same way as when you add seasoning to food. It makes the food taste better. Young people, you help make this world a better place, not just by being a good person, but by telling people about who God is and what he has done. And the Bible says you're not supposed to hide that stuff. You're supposed to let people know about it because God wants you to serve him and tell people about him. In the same manner, you're also a light in a very dark world, in a world of people that don't know who God is. They don't know what Jesus has done. But you know don't you? You know what God has done for you, how he sent Jesus to die for you, and you're not supposed to hide that information from the world either. You're supposed to let it shine, and let as many people as you can see it and know it. How many of you know the song, This Little Light of Mine? Do you know that song? It's a song I learned growing up. It says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Then it says, hide it under a bushel, and the answer is, no. I'm going to let it shine, right? The idea there, young people, is that you are a light to the world, God has given you information that he wants you to use and tell other people about it. And if you don't tell other people about it, they're not going to hear it from anywhere else. So here we go. Here's my action steps this morning. Remember I told you that we're going to end each session with some action steps. A couple of questions I watched you ask yourself, and then we'll give an answer to our question whether no or yes, right? Number one, as we ask these questions, are you serving God right now? Do you have a way in your life that you are ministering to other people and serving God? Maybe you're sending birthday cards. Maybe you're a greeter at church. Maybe you play special music. Maybe you help out in a church nursery. Do you have something that you're doing? Maybe, today it sounds like it might snow this evening, maybe tomorrow morning or later tonight you can go out and you can shovel off your neighbor's driveway or their sidewalk. Are there things that you can do to serve other people and serve God right now? Number two, do you desire to please God? God has done so much for us. Are you willing to please him? Do you want to serve him the way that he's loved and served you? Number three, are you using your life for him or are you wasting it? Are you using your talents and your life and your calling and your youth for him or are you just wasting it all away? And then my question, will you serve him this week? Will you find a way this next week as you go home to serve God, to serve other people? If your answer to my questions this morning is an answer of just simply, no, I'm not going to do that, which could be your answer this morning. You could be saying that. You could have heard me talk about how it's important to serve God, but your answer is like, you know what? I don't really care. I'm not going to do it. I want you to ask yourself, well, why not? Why not? You see, to answer these questions with the answer no indicates that there's a sin issue. It indicates that you don't understand what God did for you by sending Jesus to die on the cross for you, and that you're not thankful for that. And I would encourage you this morning to think about that a lot, because if you really understand what Jesus did for you, then you're going to want to please him. You're going to want to know about him. You're going to want to have a relationship with him and serve him. If God's word tells us to serve him, why not obey? To not obey would, again, to be sinning against God because we wouldn't be doing what God wants us to do. But this morning, if your answer is yes, if you do, if you are serving God and you do want to please Him and you are living your life for Him, I've got some steps for you to take today. I want you, this week, to find a new way that you can serve in your church. Maybe you're already doing something. I want you to find something else that you can do. Maybe, like I said, it is just simply to open doors for people as they come to the front of the church building. And you could say good morning and have a smile on your face. Or maybe you can ask an usher, can I help out a bulletin? What can I do? And if you can't think of anything, talk to your pastor or your leader and find a way. Because God wants to use you. God has given you the ability to serve him, and he wants you to serve him. So I cannot encourage you enough this morning. Find a way to serve him, because God wants you to serve him. Do you understand? Are you with me? Great, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the realization that you are, you are really are all in all, that we owe you our lives, that because you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, we should be obedient, wanting to do everything it is that you've told us to do and live it out in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity we have to minister and to serve and to proclaim you to other people. In Jesus' name, amen.